epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our podcast, we'll be joined by North Carolina head coach Roy Williams to discuss the Duke-Carolina game on Wednesday night at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Dick Vitale, the legendary, iconic broadcaster from ESPN, who's going to get a Lifetime Sports Emmy Award this year. And Texas Tech head coach Chris Beard, as they prepare to host Kansas and try to keep the Jayhawks from winning their 15th straight Big 12 regular season title. But before we get to my interviews, a couple of house cleaning items for you. Uh, number one, of course, you can go to NCAA.com and March Madness on our social media pages to check out our Power 36. Uh, of course, you can also find a number of our post-game and daily, it seems like at this time of the year, Skype interviews over the weekend. I had a chance to catch up with Chris Clemens, who just eclipsed Eclipsed 3,000 points, the ninth player in all time in Division I history to get 3,000 points. He's got 3,006 as he scored 28 points for Campbell, the Campbell Camels, over the weekend. And actually on Sunday, Cameron Young of Quinnipiac, 55 points, had an interview with him on Monday. That is an NCAA single season record for 2018-19 and a MAC record of all time. So, what happened over the past weekend? Well, number one, Tennessee got rocked by Kentucky. So they dropped from the top of the AP poll down to five. Uh, in my Power 36, they're also at five. And Kentucky moved up to four in both the AP and my poll. Uh, we are identical this week in the AP and the Power 36. Duke ascends to the top spot. Unbelievable week. They came back from 23 down and knock off Louisville on the road. Then they beat uh, NC State. Gonzaga holding that two spot is they're getting some challenges on the road. Knocked off San Diego, uh, gave them a pretty good uh, effort on the road down at the Slim Gym and the Jenny Craig Pavilion over the weekend. And then Virginia holding steady at the three spot. Uh, and then after that, you've got sort of the same collection of teams in both my poll and the AP, which includes, um, you know, North Carolina, which is playing great in advance of this game. Michigan, who I saw in person, knock off Maryland, Nevada. I don't think they're going to lose again the rest of the regular season or in the conference tournament in the Mountain West. Houston, which won at UConn and won down at Tulane. They've only got one loss. Um, LSU, which was my team of the week. Uh, Zion Williamson and Duke, my player of the week. Uh, LSU went into Kentucky, won at the buzzer. Then they won at Georgia. Then after that, it's really take your pick because there's a host of different teams that are all flawed in some form or fashion that have lost a game, won a game. Teams like Purdue, Kansas State, dealing with a little bit of an injury right now with Dean Wade. So there's so many different 
schools right now that uh, you know still could make a deep run, and there's some conference races to go here. But the the school that I just want to highlight for a moment here before we get to talking about Duke and Carolina is Michigan State. Michigan State, number ten in the AP, number ten in my power thirty six. On Sunday, they beat Ohio State, and I would say that they were looking like the team to beat in the Big Ten over Michigan again. They've sort of taken turns. Well, Michigan State lost Nick Ward for the rest of the regular season to a broken hand. He had surgery to repair it on Sunday. Don't know when he's coming back, if he's coming back this season. That's a huge hit to them inside. They're already without Joshua Langford on the perimeter. They play Michigan this weekend, first two games against Michigan. Michigan State is a Final Four-type team. Without Nick Ward, I don't see it. They could get there without Joshua Langford. They really would miss Nick Ward. So we got to keep track of how that develops over the next couple of weeks. Two games against Michigan, how Michigan State handles, not having Nick Ward inside. Uh, look for more Xavier Tillman, Kenny Goins. Um, they're going to have to step up huge inside. So they do have some depth uh, in there, but not the experience of Nick Ward and his shooting hand. So that's going to be a significant injury that just occurred over the weekend. We've seen this across the country. Gonzaga, uh, you know, right now is is playing without Killian Tilly, who's got a another foot injury. Um, you know, Duke <clears throat> somehow survived sort of minor things, a little flu bug with uh, with Cam Reddish, Trey Jones of the shoulder, but he's back, so they survived all that. Uh, Tennessee has avoided injury for the most part. Virginia has. Ty Jerome was out for one, uh, you know a little bit of a back issue. Nevada's avoided injury. Michigan, for the most part, has avoided injury. Uh, Kentucky's avoided injury. But we know these injuries can really change the narrative of a season. So keep an eye on all of that. Duke Carolina is on Wednesday. So I wanted to give you a perspective from, obviously, Roy Williams, who will be coaching the game yet again. Dick Vitale, who has covered this for up to 40 years at ESPN. 35 years he's been covering the game in person. To give you a little flavor of what that rivalry means, especially this season, but also historically. Also, on NCA.com and March Madness, you'll see this week, got a couple of Duke Carolina pieces, video piece, stat piece. And then um, I expect at some point this week, we'll also have a conversation related to that on the Duke side. So I'm glad we got the Carolina side here on our podcast through Roy Williams. So I want to get to all that because that game is on Wednesday night at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And then Texas Tech head coach Chris Beard, he'll talk about the Kansas matchup Saturday in Lubbock. So plenty to get to here on March Madness 365. And joining me now here on March Madness 365, Hall of Fame head coach North Carolina's Roy Williams. And Roy, uh, you guys getting ready to take on Duke on Wednesday night, and you're rolling right now. And I know there's been some inconsistencies at times, which is understandable because you've got a lot of younger guys on this team. Uh, So let's assess where this team is at at this point your level of optimism of what can still be accomplished this season, where is it? Well, it's hard to say, Andy. They're 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. You never know what's going to happen one day or the next in their lives, much less on the basketball court. But uh, I think one of the things we've gotten a little better defensively, when we shoot the ball well, we can be really good. But that has to be a big thing for us because we don't have the uh, inside guy that we can throw it to on the low block and count on him to score or get fouled. we still struggle a little bit with turnovers at times, and uh, uh, we have a chance. We're not anywhere near where I'd like for us to be in terms of our development at this point in the year or our consistency. Uh, but we do have some good moments. Bad news is for us, we have some bad ones as well. When, when it's gone a little sideways, you know, the Virginia game, Louisville, the first one, 
what have you tried to correct, you know, with this group after that? Because clearly your tweaks, and they historically have always worked, but they've definitely worked with this group to where you've got them back, uh, you know, going in the right direction. Yeah. Louisville just played really well. And then we have a six or seven game winning streak where we do play better. And then all of a sudden, Virginia, first part of the second half, maybe the best we've played all year. But then the last five or six minutes of the game, we didn't play well, but you got to give Virginia some credit there. We go one for 11 in that prime time period, and they go six for seven. But we're uh, getting better. I think we're going to be uh, one of those that will have a chance. But I'd feel a heck of a lot better about it if we were more concerned. You know, Kobe White has had some phenomenal moments. Uh, you've had great success at that position throughout the course of your career. In what way has he been able to impact this team? You know, I've had point guards who were really quarterbacks who distributed the ball and made other guys uh, the playmakers and the whole bit with their shots. But uh, Kendall Marshall comes to mind. But we've also had Ty Lawson who could do that, was also a scoring point guard. And I would say that Kobe is a scoring point guard and probably a better scorer at point guard than anybody that I've coached. So he impacts it because he can get the ball to everybody else. He can make the play on the break, but he can also really, really score, and that's important. You've also had great leaders, you know, some more high-profile than others. Kenny Williams, Cam Johnson, in what way have they sort of answered that leadership call from you? Well, Kenny and then Luke and uh, Cam, yeah, Luke, all three me. being seniors. Yeah, that's okay. All three being seniors. They've been around. They know what's going on in college basketball. They're very good players. Uh, Luke's not shooting the ball very well right now and making some mistakes. But, you know, you'll also have a 20-point and a double-double. He'll have 25 and 13 or something like that. So he's still doing some good things. But they do know what's going on. And the other guys look to them for their counsel, look to them for the advice. And then they, most nights, those three guys do come to play. And so they lead by example as well. So I know, obviously, you haven't played them yet, but I'm sure you're well aware. <laughs> this rendition of Duke, led by Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Trey Jones, what kind of challenges does this group pose to this Carolina team? Well, I think, first of all, they may be the most gifted athletically that any team that I've ever coached against at Duke. I mean, Zion Williamson is a different bird. I mean, there's never been anybody like him. That size and that power and that explosiveness and that speed, and then R.J. and then Cam shoots the ball so well. I mean, he trades a defensive player for him out front, distributes the ball. His assist-air ratio, I think, is probably the best in the country. So they may be the most gifted youth team that we've played against in the 16 years I've, I've been back. And going in there Wednesday night, we know we've got to play great. And anything less than great, we won't have a chance. And we understand that. So our goal is play. I'll tell you, though, Roy, it doesn't matter – you know, what the talent is on either side, and usually obviously it's at a high, high level. There's just something about this game that brings out the best in both teams. What is it since you've been a part of it back 16 years, and I know that long before when you were an assistant at Carolina years before, but what is it about this rivalry, this matchup, that regardless of who may have the, the better talent, the better record, that the game's usually going to go down to the wire? Well, they have for a long time. Almost every game is very exciting right till the end, and I'm hopeful that it'll be that way on Wednesday night, so we'll have a chance at the end. But two great programs, the history of the programs, the tradition that we've had for many, many years, but especially lately about having great success. The fact that you're 10 miles apart makes it a little unusual, and uh, 
it is the biggest game every year in the college basketball regular season. And the great thing is we get to do it twice. But uh, uh, I'm very flattered to be part of it and hope that we can uphold and do our part on Wednesday night. Roy, two last things before I let you go. One is uh, I've been talking to a lot of coaches over the last week about, uh, you know, the review. And officials, you know, with the hook and hold, they're kind of tired, but they got to do what they've been told to do. You know, at the last minute, uh, judgment calls, however we define that, where do you stand on whether or not judgment calls, maybe in the last minute, we had one of these with the, um, uh, you know, with whether or not it should have been an offensive goaltending, which they couldn't have reviewed in the LSU-Kentucky game. Where do, where do you stand on whether or not things like that should be reviewed in the last minute? You know, it's hard, Andy, because I, I want them to get the call right. I want it to be the right call. But at the same time, every sport, whether it's football, I mean, they had one of the most ridiculous calls and one of those football, or non-calls in one of the football games I've ever seen. But we've had that forever, you know. I don't want the game the last 30 seconds or the last 45 seconds to take 15 minutes to play. And there is human error. We understand that. But it, there's also human error when a kid misses a free throw. There's also human error when a kid steps on the line. Uh, so I'm a little bit... I'm sitting on the fence on it because I do want them to get the call right. If it's something that can be reviewed and change it, all right, then that happened to us in the Virginia game. I mean, they had to go to the monitor to see if the shot had uh, made before the shot clock expired. They had signaled the goal good. They spent some time there looking at it, and in their mind, they got it right. And so I, I can live with that. But at the same time, if you're going to go do it for every single call. I don't think that's what we're looking for. I think we have quite a few things that can be reviewed. Uh, I'm in favor of those. I don't know what else you would add to it, but uh, uh, I am sitting on the fence a little bit. This cost us a, a, a better opportunity. It didn't cost us the game, but we would have had a three-point lead, and it was just barely on its fingertips. But at the same time, they felt like that was what it was, and I, I live with that. I mean, fish just go over there, and they're, they're not going to look at something and say, oh, my gosh, we just blew it, so let's make this call to even it out. And, and I understand that. So sitting on the fence a little bit, uh, if we want to have add things to be uh, able to be reviewed, then that's okay. But I think in each and every other one you add, it really makes a big difference in how long the game's going to take. And the last thing, Roy, uh, you guys saw Gonzaga at their worst this season, and they haven't lost since. That was December 15th. Um, they're looking like a team that certainly can win the national championship right now. Um, I know your impression might have been a little skewed on that day because you guys played so well, uh, but I'm just curious what your impression are uh, of the Zags. Well, I think Gonzaga, Duke, Virginia, Michigan, uh, maybe leaving out a couple of teams. Uh, to me, there's four or five teams that sort of separated themselves from the rest of us for a while. Uh, and they will have the better chance at the end, but that doesn't mean I do think uh, uh, Tennessee, I should have put Tennessee, and even though Kentucky had a great win this weekend, I think Tennessee's really done some things. And, and you can put Kentucky in there. I have no problem. It seems like we've played all those guys. But yes. I, I do believe that uh, there's four or five, maybe six teams that are a little bit more elite than some of the rest of us. Uh, but at the end, you still got a place for six games in a row and see what happens. Well, I would put Carolina in there as well, and you guys have played, and I said this at the beginning of the season, the toughest non-conference schedule in the country. Roy, appreciate it. Uh, have a great time on Wednesday night. All right, Andy. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Coming up next here on March Madness 365, my conversation with the Hall of Famer, Dick Vitale. And 
Joining me here on March Madness 365, my good friend, the legendary, the Hall of Famer, soon to be the Lifetime Achievement Award winner for the Sports Emmys, Dick Vitale, a honor that uh, certainly has been a long time coming because he is the best in the business and I cherish him as a friend and I want to check in with him on the Duke Carolina game. It'll be Wednesday night at Durham and Dick, you've seen so many of these games over the years. Uh, before we get to this matchup, what makes this arguably not just the best rivalry in college basketball, maybe college athletics, but maybe one of the five, ten best in all of sports? Well, you know, I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever, Andy, that it is definitely one of the five best. I, I don't think you can even argue that. Uh, certainly the Red Sox-Yankees up there, but then after that, you know, I, I put Duke and Carolina. I mean, they're just right there. In college, it's it's the number one. What makes it special, Andy, is very simple. You're always going to have good teams. You're always going to have good coaching. You're always going to have great players. And you got enthusiasm and energy because usually those teams are battling in their respective conferences for the upper echelon to be the best of the best. And it's been that way for years. Uh, for my first 35 years at ESPN, I'm on my 40th year now. I sat at courtside in those games. And I can flat out tell you, Andy, when the Star Spangled Banner played and I looked at the players and those uniforms, all the greatness and the tradition and the history would hit me. And I would get actually goosebumps. It, it, it really was such a special part of my life and career at ESPN. And I loved every moment of it. And I think the fans are going to enjoy it again this week. This will be a terrific matchup. So you've seen so many. I mean, it's hard to pick one. Uh, you know, I, I I just think of so many of your great calls. Are there one or two or three that jump out at you from that first 35 years that you say, you know what, those are the ones I remember the most, whether they were at Duke or at Carolina? Well, you know, I have a tough time remembering what I did yesterday, but I will <laughs> tell you this. During the late in your era, you know, Andy, the late in the era, when they were undefeated and they went to play down in uh, Chapel Hill and got beat, Eric Montrose had blood all over them. I'll never forget that moment and, and that scenario. It was such a, it was so much passion in the buildings, so much of a feeling of, of being a champ at that moment by beating Duke, and it was just a special moment. Then also, what about when uh, Austin Rivers hit the big, big shot? Was was incredible uh, down there in Chapel Hill. I think about certainly the overtime job, and I didn't want it to end when Capel sent it to overtime against that great, great Carolina team with Stockhouse and Wallace. And, I mean, there's been so many, and they, they were always. I'm telling you, I could not sleep after I did those games. It would be like three, four, five in the morning before I could go to bed because you just feel so much. You put your heart and soul in it, and the adrenaline and the excitement and the energy is so special. Dick, the broadcasting view from Cameron is certainly unique. It's up in that catbird seat. Uh, I know they've tried to tweak it a little bit, and I think once you smacked your head, uh, from that vantage point, when you do a game from there versus the Smith Center, what's it like to do a game from way up on top like that? Well, you know, I don't care what you do. As long as you're in a building, man, and not being in a building like Wednesday, you know, I eat my heart out. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's something that's a little emptiness in me, but uh, uh, it's just whether it's up there, whether it's at courtside, you're still right in the action and hearing all the, the unbelievable chants and the emotion and the passion and the flow of the game. It's a, it is special. It is the best. I, you know, people hit me up with Michigan, Ohio State football and Alabama, Auburn football. Those are great, great rivalries. I, I, I respect those. 
but nothing like this. Eight miles apart, Hall of Fame coaches, Hall of Fame future players. I mean, it just it's unreal. All right, so let's look at Wednesday night. Uh, you've had a chance to see both these teams this season. Zion Williamson is a freak. You know, obviously, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, they have three of the probably top five picks in June. Uh, Carolina's got a great freshman in Kobe White, but they've been a little inconsistent at times against Virginia, Louisville. Uh, how do you size up Wednesday night's game in Cameron? Well, you know, I, I think, number one, for North Carolina to have a shot, if, if Duke plays their A game, I think they beat anybody in the country if they play their A game. But they're capable of slipping down to a B-plus, and when they do that, you play your A game if you're one of the elite teams. I mean, they could get by with the B-plus against some teams, but they're not getting by with that performance in an emotional matchup against a talented North Carolina team. The big question, Andy, has been that way uh, all year with North Carolina, inconsistency on the defensive end. They're going to have to really pride themselves and play with great team defense communication ability to be able to stop the scoring whiz of certainly of Duke. On the other side, North Carolina has great scoring ability. The question is, will they defend? Both clubs rebound really well, so rebounding becomes a key. I will tell you this, uh, Zion has been off the chart, so has R.J. Uh, Barrett. Reddish is playing better and better, and Trey Jones could be the most important player on the field because I would imagine he'll be hooked up with the, the great uh, freshman Kobe White. And I think when you talk defense, playing the ball, if I'm, I'm going to announce my five best defensive players on Saturday during the LSU game I'm doing with uh, uh, Tennessee, and I will tell you, he's one of the five. There's no doubt about it. I've seen him lock people up. So I think that's the key. Can Carolina get their offense going? Can White get going, scoring against a guy like Jones? That'll be a key in the game. Zion Williamson obviously is the talk in college basketball. Uh, you've covered everyone over the last four decades. Where do you put him in terms of what you've seen in the past and what he can do in terms of the way in which he impacts the game? Let me just put it this way, the impact he has. Yesterday, my wife and I, uh, we went to watch spring training. I went over to see the Pittsburgh Pirates. I walk on, and players ask him for pictures and all the rest of this jazz and people coming over. And you know what the conversation with Every one of them. I mean, every one of them that came up to me, from the manager, Clint Hurdle, to Bell, the first baseman, the veteran former players that played for the Pirates, the Manny Sanguians, the people like Rennie Stennitz and Brady Little, former manager of the Red Sox, now with their, the uh, executive staff there with the Pirates. Every one of them, Neil Huntington, their general manager, what about Zion? What about Zion? He's become a household, household name, and he's so unique. He's not the best I've ever seen I'll tell you, Andy, but he's certainly the most unique I've ever seen. His explosiveness, his agility and mobility for 6'7 and a half, 280 is unheard of. And his bounce off the floor, I've seen him make plays that just blow me away that you just don't see. It's like a runaway freight train when he gets going in transition, explodes to the goal with one of his unbelievable dunks. Uh, and what really makes him so special, he's a terrific kid away from the court as well. Uh, just the truth. I had my grandson with me down for the game. And he said to my grandson, because he's being recruited for tennis by a number of schools, he and his brother, and he says, you got to come to Duke, man. you got to come to Duke. And my grandson was like a little kid, man. He's met so many stars that Zion's, Zion's telling him to come to Duke. He's just, he will be the number one pick. I don't think it's even debatable. I don't think it's even an argument because that general manager who would not draft him Let's say a guy has a different origin to some other good players. You hear about Morant, you certainly R.J. Barrett. Let me tell you, 
he would not sleep at night knowing he passed on that kid. Well, Dick, I appreciate everything. Uh, miss you, love you, and uh, I know we will talk soon. Uh, you're doing a great job. Out of age is just a number; it means zero. You were doing great. Well, tennis, I feel that way, Andy. I feel like I'm on 21 years old when I get to a game and they chant my name. But, Andy, what I need you to do for me real quickly, you got to promote my book because every dollar from my book by Mount Rushmore's, the best players and coaches in all different categories. We have four best. I did it with Hoops Weiss, the Mount Rushmore's of basketball. And every dollar, I've already given a check from early sales, 24600 to the V Foundation. It's all for kids battling cancer. I think you get an autographed copy by just going to dickvitalonline.com. And we were proudly told just this weekend that we are number one on the Amazon list in terms of sport essays, sports essays. And that really makes me feel very proud. Sainthood is coming your way because you have done wonderful things off the court, more so than probably any impact you've had on. Appreciate it, Dick. Thanks a lot, Andy. Always a pleasure, man. I miss working with you. They're very fortunate and blessed to have you because you're a workaholic and you know what you're doing. Coming up next here on March Madness 365, Texas Tech head coach Chris Beard. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, we're taping this on Monday, and it is the birthday of the one and only Chris Beard, the head coach of Texas Tech. Chris, uh, what number are we at right now? Oh, I'd rather leave that undisclosed. <laughs> Got a bunch of former players out there they are going to start ragging me. <laughs> hey, I was I, thinking about this morning, though, like birthdays, Andy, to be like, as you get older, they're kind of like non-conference wins, you know, they're... They're nice, but they really don't mean anything. That's true. I'm a big believer on the the age inside because I don't feel, you know, I feel at least 10 years younger than the number that's attached to my name. That's for sure. No doubt about that. (laughs) Age inside, I think I'm 18 going on 20. Yes. Hey, before we get to your team, I love the Fireside Chat. And my goal is at one point to get to Lubbock to be on the Fireside Chat. Or maybe we could do one on the road in the tournament uh, because I think it's brilliant You've got the great deadpan demeanor. You've got humor. Uh, where did that originate from? Because I want to direct our listeners that if you get to the Texas Tech social media hub on Twitter, wherever you guys can find it, check out the Chris Beard Fireside Chats. Where did this originate from? Hey, you know, one of our biggest objectives from day one is to embrace and uh, kind of activate our student body here. As you know, Andy, you've been down here before. We have some of the best fans in college basketball. But we're just trying, just like we are with our team and program, with our fans and student body, we're just trying to find consistency um, where they show up every game, not just the big game. So to do that, our original idea, instead of just asking the students, we wanted to have a two-way relationship. And the Fireside Chat is one of several ways we're trying to connect with the student body on a consistent, regular basis. And, you know, more than anything, just try to develop a relationship with the students. Well, you do a great job of obviously offering, like I said, humor and a little levity, but there is some seriousness to your job. And, and uh, you guys weathered a mini, mini slump. And now you're back in position where you're hosting Kansas on Saturday to be right there to potentially win the Big 12 with Iowa State, with Kansas State, with Kansas. Um, how did you guys weather that mini slump, if we're going to call it that, or I will, uh, to get back to where now you're right back in position to potentially win this league again? Yeah, we just stayed the course. Um, you know, we use the terminology around here a lot. You can't get too high or too low. And I thought we really executed what we try to preach. And, um, you know, we, we also try to kind of just eliminate the outside voices and try to stay connected in the locker room because the reality of it was we, we lost a one-possession game to Iowa State at home. 
And Iowa State's a team that appears to be a second weekend team at the minimum to me. I think they're really, really good. One of the best offensive teams in basketball. Then we had two road games during that kind of tough stretch, and we were in both games, you know, one, two possession games. So really, um, even though the scoreboard wasn't showing it, we were still, you know, pleased with the way we were playing, and we just had to stay the course. You know, Chris, it almost felt like, you know, because you lost so much off of last year's uh team that uh you know went deep in the tournament had a chance to go to the final four and it almost was like the success early came almost too easy guys crushed nebraska and kansas city you felt like you're waiting at some point this team and all these teams do it at some point where there was going to be a little bit of adversity you know when you look back at the beginning of this season did things happen almost quicker than you thought with this group oh not necessarily i mean we had high expectations we um i just think that every team's different and it's obviously, you know, uh, fair and kind of easy to talk about what a team loses and gains. But, you know, with us, we liked what we had coming back. We had key pieces from our Elite Eight team last year coming back. Um, and then we signed what we thought were the two best grad transfers in the country and Matt and Tariq. And then our high school recruiting was good. So we just simply said over and over again in the spring and summer is, hey, we don't want last year's team to define our program. We want to celebrate it. We never want to forget it we want to move on quickly I think that's exactly what we've done and I think our four seniors really deserve the credit you know it's Brandon Francis and Norts who were key players on the Elite Eight team and they've just you know kind of defined their own story we don't talk much about last year around here we just talk about this year and, and trying to get this team to the tournament and then with Matt Mooney and Tariq you know these are two guys that have done a lot in college basketball Matt was about as good as he can get at the mid-major level and Tariq has a nice body of work at both Tennessee and St. John's, but neither guy's ever played in the NCAA tournament. So we've talked openly about that. We've been talking about that all the way since uh, July and August, that we wanted to get those two guys in the tournament. So we've been a pretty motivated team from day one and a team that's focused on you know trying to compete. So Saturday's game, Kansas is an interesting team. They've obviously been decimated inside, but um, you know they've got, uh, obviously, with – uh, with Lawson, Dejan Lawson, they've got one of the better players in the country. They're never going to be put down. They're just so hard to just knock out. They've won 14 Big 12 titles in a row. You guys have a monster opportunity. How do you beat them on Saturday? Well, simply stated, I think we're going to play our best game of the year. Um, I think this will be the the championship DNA Kansas team that comes to Lubbock on Saturday. Uh, they're getting key pieces back, and the young guys are no longer younger. And you know, I've studied Coach Self's teams for a long time. We're friends, uh, but even before we were friends, I was watching his Tulsa teams in Illinois, and even Oral Roberts teams played a high level. So I think Coach is real. I don't want to speak for him, but it appears to me that he's enjoying coaching his team, and he's got some guys that are really bought in, and, and uh, they're completely on the same page. So it's a very dangerous Kansas team. Our guys respect them more than anybody, so – We'll have to play great basketball for 40 minutes to have a chance. All right, so if this were the Texas Tech Fireside chat, how do we want to approach the student body to get them just absolutely just rocking uh, on Saturday in Lubbock? Got to get here early for this one. You know, we've got 4,200 student seats, and we've got over 30,000 students, so it's in high demand now. But those students have got to get out early. we got all sorts of stuff going on, and we've got pregame tailgates and let the students into the arena about 90 minutes early, but... I think the message this week is um, everybody knows there's a big game, but it's, it's trying to let the students understand they got to get here early to be guaranteed a seat. All right, well, save me a seat at some point next to you in the Fireside Chat, okay? Well, have some fun. You're, you're definitely welcome. <laughs> All right, thanks, Chris. Happy birthday. Thanks, Andy. 
And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, thanks for listening. And you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, at iTunes. Of course, it is all over our social media platforms at NCAA.com and at our March Madness profile pages on social media, on Twitter, and of course, on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.